0: This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 309.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we empower you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor.
0: And I'm Angie.
1: In this long-awaited episode, Angie recaps the Revel Coolia Marathon in Hawaii, the final race in her quest to run a marathon in every state, and her fastest finish yet. Plus, you'll hear practical tips on how you can run a personal record, a PR, this year. And, of course, you can get more help in your training inside the academy. Check out what we have for you over at MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. And you can also learn about our awesome coaches that will help you pursue your goal in 2020. So Angie, we are back now at home, just got back from Hawaii, had a wonderful time on the big island, got to meet some listeners, do some running, do some sightseeing, laying on the beach, just everything. It was uh, an epic time. And big thanks to my dad, Sheldon Spencer, who flew out here to watch the kids so that we could go, you know, just the two of us. And of course, you ran an amazing race, which we're going to talk about on the episode, but now we're back in the grind, right?
0: Yeah, back to real life, which, of course, we're also thankful for our real lives. <laughs> but it's always great to get away and have um, a wonderful marathon experience and a relaxing vacation as well.
1: Definitely. So we got a lot to jump into today. We've heard from a lot of people just saying how much you're looking forward to hearing about your recap of your Hawaii Marathon this has been a long time in the making. In our last episode, we talked about the 49 races that you did in your 50-state goal leading up to the grand finale, the Revel Koolia Marathon, and we actually recorded that episode in our hotel.
0: Very early in the morning, since we were still on Eastern Standard Time.
1: <laughs> That's right. We were getting up like 3 a.m.
0: It only took going to Hawaii to make Trevor a morning person, temporarily.
1: <laughs> so before we jump into the recap, we'd like to give some shout-outs to folks in the community and folks that listen to the podcast. We got one very nice comment here we'd like to start with from a client named Anissa. She said, today was my last day of coaching with Coach Dominique, and I wanted to share my experience. I signed up with her 15 months ago because I was scared of hurting myself, and I had no idea what to do to train for my first full marathon. Dominique not only got me through my first marathon injury-free, she also helped me transition from run-walk to just running. After that first marathon, I wanted to do another, so she coached me through a second marathon, and then my husband signed us up for the Dopey Challenge at Disney, and she coached me through that too. It's been quite a journey. Three full marathons, two half marathons, and numerous 5Ks. Thank you for being part of it. If anyone is considering coaching, I highly recommend it, and especially recommend Coach Dom, and that is from Anissa.
0: That's awesome. We also had a couple other Academy members who ran the Dopey Challenge recently. Marty, uh, who works with Coach Lynn, finished all four races, and also Gregory. So that was very exciting.
1: For those that have never heard of the Dopey Challenge, what is it?
0: Well, it's basically four races on back-to-back days. It starts with a 5K. The next day is a 10K. Next day is the half marathon. And on the fourth day, they save the best for last. It's the marathon.
1: And, of course, this is at Walt Disney World. In January.
0: That's right. And I think one of the huge challenges for a lot of people is just getting up so early in the morning because it's kind of a logistical necessity to get to the starting line and everything. So definitely um, a very fun experience from what I've heard, but also a big challenge.
1: A big challenge to the wallet, too, (laughs) because it's a pretty expensive race to sign up for.
0: But you get like so many medals and shirts and of course the whole Disney experience. So I'm sure it's very much worth it for many people.
1: You can literally stop and ride a roller coaster during your race if you want to.
0: We also got a note from Mitch in the Academy. He says, while everyone else seemed to be doing the Dopey Challenge, I ran the marathon today. But I was fortunate to have Bib 261, Catherine Switzer's number, and I'm sure that brought me luck. I got off to a quick start but began to slow down around mile 18 when my calves kept cramping up. I think it was the heat. I was able to do a combo of run hard slash stretch walk and held it together to get a 95 second pr at three hours 24 minutes and 40 seconds which shockingly was also an age group win
1: okay he did not stop and ride the roller coasters
0: <laughs> clearly not no nope. it sounds like he was riding the cramp roller coaster <laughs> he says other than this unusual heat the race was great fun and highly recommended And we also heard from listeners Kristen and Jen. They say, hi, Angie and Trevor. My friend and I completed the Disney Marathon on Sunday thanks to your beginner marathon training plan. We followed your plan religiously and worked through a few aches and pains along the way. In the weeks leading up to our race, we kept telling each other, we have what it takes to run a marathon and change our lives. We accomplished our goal of running a marathon to celebrate turning 30. Thanks for helping to make it possible.
1: You guys are so young.
0: (laughs) Anyway, great milestone, birthday, and a great way to celebrate that milestone as well.
1: Definitely. And I was actually still in my 20s when we started the MTA podcast.
0: You were just a baby. (laughs) (laughs) One more quick story from the Disney Marathon. This comes from Carolyn in the Academy. She says, I need to show off my friend Nanette, who at 84 ran her first marathon at Disney. She ran with her friend Julie, who's just a young 82-year-old. They both tripped and fell at mile 13 and had to go to the first aid station. I was worried when they weren't moving on the tracker at that point. Well, they were patched up and insisted on getting back on the course. Nanette crossed the finish line in seven hours and six minutes, taking first in her age group, and Julie got second. I'm so proud of them both. If that doesn't cancel any excuse I have for not running my first marathon, I don't know what will. I just love them both to pieces.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. First marathon at 84.00. Hate to hear about the fall. Sounds like they both tripped and fell, but they got back out there and finished.
0: That's pretty amazing.
1: <laughs> well, it sounds like the party is at Disney in January, you know, at that marathon. I know. So maybe we should do it next year. Well, congrats to all of you out there taking action, getting the year started off strong. We hope that you enjoy this recap. And Angie's also going to share tips on running a personal record, a PR this year. Let's go ahead and get into it right now. All right, it's time for one of our world famous race recaps. This is going to be an epic recap because, as you guys know who've been following along, Angie just ran her 63rd marathon. It was her fastest marathon to date. She qualified for Boston by 20 minutes. It's ridiculous how well she ran. Angie, are you using steroids? Just got to ask. I know. <laughs> No. She's the most straight-laced person. That's what makes it funny.
0: (laughs) Like such a rule follower. Yeah.
1: But anyway, it's also the final race in her 50-state journey, which has been a project uh, 12 years, I guess, in the making. And it was just an excellent race. It's called the Revel Coolia Marathon, put on by the Revel Race Series. And of course, it was in Hawaii on the Big Island near uh, Waikoloa. So, Angie, what can you tell us about the Revel Coolia Marathon in Hawaii?
0: Well, I had heard really good things about the Rebel Race Series and so was excited to be able to run one of their races. This is the second time they've done the Rebel Coolia Marathon. So it's a fairly new race, but I was impressed from the beginning because they sent out frequent email updates. There was lots of information available about everything you needed to know about the course, about how to train, things like that. They held the expo at the Hilton Waikolo Village property, on friday before the race and it was really easy to navigate to get there and mostly well organized there was a moment of panic when the volunteer couldn't find my race bib (laughs) this is the first time this ever happened to me you know i told her my name the distance she's digging 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 (laughs) digging 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 and she finally looks up she's like i don't have your bib here I'm like, okay.
1: (laughs) I looked at Angie and was like, oh, too late.
0: (laughs) So she directed me over to um, some other guys who were verifying timing strips. And he he was able to go back and somehow find the elusive bib. So everything turned out well, obviously. But it was really cool because my race number was (laughs) 1234.
1: Which makes me think that they didn't have the bib, and they just quickly went and made one. (laughs) That was pretty cool. One, two, three, four.
0: And they also printed your name or whatever you wanted to be displayed on your bib, so that was also very cool.
1: Did you notice what Rachel had? One of our Academy members, and she's got a great sense of humor, Rachel from Seattle. Her bib said, Aloha, beaches.
0: (laughs) So, of course, you've been saying that, like, every day now. (laughs) Every time you can slip it into conversation. (laughs) I love it. So anyway, I got my bib. They also gave out nice tech shirts. And they had – you could either get an insulated beer or wine tumbler. And then, of course, they had some miscellaneous little products in the swag bag. Anyway, they also had a couple of props set up for taking pictures at the expo. And we were able to meet up with some listeners, Wayne and Sherry from Alberta. We also met up with my nutrition coach, Natalie, from MetPro. And a coaching client, Tamana, and her friend, Suma. So it was really fun to be able to meet everyone at the expo and kind of share in the excitement about the next day. So fortunately, we had arrived in Hawaii a couple of days before the race to kind of get settled and recover from all the travel, because to get from the East Coast of the United States to Hawaii (laughs) is a long process. I think we had two six-hour flights. And with the time difference, the five-hour time difference, it meant that we were basically wide awake by three or four in the morning, which really came in handy on race morning because we had to be up by that time anyway. It was like, I woke up before my alarm like, oh, 3 a.m., (laughs) I'm ready to go. (laughs) Feels like it's 8 a.m. But of course, the flip side of that was that by 7 in the evening, I was absolutely exhausted and ready to go to sleep. So kind of kills any nightlife. Not that I've ever had any nightlife.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we had a couple nice days to explore the area and to go to a few beaches and historical sites there on the west side of the Big Island, the Kona side. And then race morning came around. And like Angie said, we were already up Early, ready to go.
0: Yes, the race bus participants from the Hilton Waikaloa Resort, where we were staying, and also another spot, the Queens Marketplace, to the starting line. Um, The marathon buses left between 4 and 5 a.m. since it was nearly an hour's drive to the start, and the half marathon buses left between 4.30 and 5.30 a.m. since it was about 30 minutes to get to the starting line.
1: So the way that these races work that are put on by the Revel Company is they bust you to the top of a mountain and then you run down. They're all like drastic net downhill races.
0: Exactly. And since it was early and still dark, it was really impossible to see any of the scenery as the bus crept up the mountain. Um, And of course, in a bus that's kind of like slowly chugging up this grade, it like feels really long. At the bottom, before I got on the bus, the air already felt really hot, even that early in the morning. I was thinking, oh man, this is going to be rough. (laughs) But fortunately, as we got up the mountain to the starting area, it was much cooler. Um, In fact, the wind made it feel rather chilly, even though the temps were probably around mid-50s at that point. And at the Marathon Start Area it was set up just off to the side of the road. There was a couple tables of water and sports drink. There was a bank of porta pots, music and a speaker system, some sight lights because it was pitch black. And then the gear check truck. And then they had the starting line that was set up a ways up the road because it was in kind of like a a wilderness area, protected area, so you couldn't drive beyond this point um, unless you had a permit. So then we had to kind of just walk up the road about 6.15 in the morning before the start time to get to the starting line. Fortunately, the race had given out gloves and heat sheet blankets um, with the, the race swag. So that was really, really helpful just to stay warm as we're on the side of the mountain there. And I also had a throwaway jacket, so that helped a lot too.
1: Now, I just did the half marathon, so we went about halfway up the mountain compared to where Angie went. And it was chilly where we started. It was very windy. People were sort of sheltered behind this tall grass and huddled around this generator. And what's interesting about this island is it can be 80 degrees down at sea level, but then you can go up the mountain, and it goes all the way up to 13,000 feet. There's snow on top of this mountain, and you can see the mountain from all over the island pretty much. So it's awesome to be just chilling on the beach, 80-degree temps, and then look up and see a snow-capped mountain.
0: It is pretty, pretty amazing. You just don't think of the state of Hawaii as having snow. But it's there. They've got some serious mountains.
1: Yeah, you can actually drive to the top. There's a, I guess, world-renowned observatory up there. If you brought skis, you can kind of ski down. And the locals like to, uh, when the first snow falls drive their trucks up there and load their back of their pickups full of snow and then go down to the schools and let the kids have snowball fights.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. So yeah, I had a little bit of a debate on what to wear for the race because I am not a hot weather runner. And so I was like really debating up until like an hour before I had to get on the bus what I was going to wear. I knew I was going to wear shorts, but I wasn't sure if I was going to wear, you know, a t-shirt or a singlet or what. And I finally decided, because I was looking at the for the day seeing that it was going to get up into at least the 80s that I probably should just dress as cool as possible and so for the first time I just decided to wear my sports bra and just call it good <laughs> so of course I'm at the starting line like really cold thinking oh this is probably not a good idea
1: <laughs> but later you were glad you. it had turned it. out
0: to be a great decision <laughs> Um, and, you know, there's just kind of a special energy about the starting line of a race. Really, everyone to some degree is nervous, even if maybe they don't look like it or projecting it. There's just kind of that that high-intensity energy.
1: <laughs> even if you've run over 60 marathons?
0: Exactly. Yeah, because you just don't know what any one race is going to bring. All of you people hogging the restrooms, hurry up and get out. There are people waiting. There you go. Yeah, it's all about (laughs) us. If you are ready. And so at 6.30 a.m. they did a countdown, and then we were off running downhill.
1: So were you nervous, Angie, about the downhill element of this race? Because you knew from a race that you did in Utah just how hard it is to run downhill the whole time.
0: Yes, I have a healthy respect for downhill courses because, you know, you instantly think, oh, downhill, it's going to be easy, like what could go wrong? But no, it takes a special toll on your body. (laughs) You almost have to change your running form a little bit to be able to run downhill effectively. And so, yeah, it's, it's a huge challenge. And, of course, the marathon started, like you said, on the western slopes of Mauna Kea. It was around 5,400 feet of elevation at the start line for the marathon. So the first eight miles of the course, we ran to the north-northwest so that the rising sun was at our back. And I immediately noticed the huge amount of elevation loss. Like right off the starting line, the course went downhill, and it was still dark at this time. So it really made me nervous that I would end up falling
1: What could you see? Just the white line on the side of the highway?
0: There wasn't even like a real highway. It was just kind of like this road without markings on it. So you could really just kind of see this dark pavement. You really couldn't see if there was any branches or potholes or anything. And it's just like this blazing fast start downhill. And so already I'm thinking, oh, great. This could go really, really bad. The first seven miles had a 7% grade. Wow. And... Over those seven miles, the course loses 2,591 feet of elevation, which is 48% of the total elevation loss for the whole course.
1: Yeah, so meanwhile, the half marathon is starting, same time, 6.30 in the morning, and we're on the highway, so you can see the white line. So there's the shoulder of the road that everyone's running on, and it's kind of congested, but thankfully I got up close enough kind of to the front so I didn't have to weave around a lot of people because I didn't want to be stuck in the back.
0: Yeah, that's smart.
1: So I felt like the half marathon course, the amount of grade, the amount of downhill was just perfect. It just sort of pulled you forward. It was fast, but it wasn't too extreme. But apparently that's not how it was for the start of the marathon course.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I also kind of positioned myself near the front and there weren't as many marathoners either. And so then right out of the gate, you know, everyone's like blazing down the hill and it was just really challenging to run that section because you want to relax into the downhill. But you also don 't want to let yourself lose control you don 't want to do a lot of braking, which is hard on the body and slows you down. So my mantra for the downhills was flow, sort of like the relentless flow of lava. I was trying to like
1: <laughs> picture
0: that because you know there 's lava fields all over the island of Hawaii and just thinking, okay, I just need to flow like lava. It's just relentless. Love it. So I was trying to keep that in mind. As it started to get light, I really tried to relax and keep my effort comfortably hard just while enjoying the beautiful mountainous scenery around me. Um, there was some early morning mist, but we ran through uh, some ranches where we saw grazing cattle, horses, and the island has all these wild goats too. So you never knew when you're going to spot a wild goat and you or ten. goats. So that was kind of fun as well. So I went through the first quarter of the race, the first 6.55 miles in 44.22, which was a 6.46 pace, which I knew was fast for me. But just the way the course was, that was like as slow as I could run basically while, you know, not doing a bunch of braking and just trying to stay in the flow.
1: Let's talk about what you mean by braking. Is that when people are slapping the ground really hard?
0: Right. It's basically when your strides are too big. So you're extending your foot like too far forward outside of your center of gravity. And so it's kind of producing like almost like this locked knee sensation. And then you're hitting really hard and you're often leaning back because you're, you're scared that you're going too fast and you're trying to slow yourself down. So imagine kind of like leaning back, overstriding, and hitting the ground really hard. And it's just kind of sends shock waves up through your leg. Legs, and your body is going to rebel later on if you do too much of that on the downhill. So it's, it's really challenging to run downhills.
1: You tried to remind yourself to lean into gravity, just kind of lean out over your feet.
0: Yeah. You know, you kind of want to keep your nose, <laughs> nose forward of your hips, basically. So, oh. um, and you also want to keep your steps like quick and light, keep the leg turnover going um, on the downhills. And by the time we got to mile eight, my legs were already feeling the toll of all that steep downhill, even though I was trying to use good form, you know, I'm thinking about these things in my mind. And I thought, try not to think too far ahead in the race, like, oh, how's my body going to feel later? I really tried to keep my mind positive and just run one mile at a time. And the marathon course description, they describe miles 8 through 13 as slow down and hang on. So at mile 8, we made a turn to the south-southwest onto Mamalahoa Highway, and the course really flattens out during this section. Then at mile 11 and 12, there were a few hills for a net elevation gain. So it was really a challenge to keep pushing at a decent pace and not get discouraged on the hills at that point. because Your legs are already tired from all that downhill, and then, oh, now we have some hills we've got to tackle. So keeping your, your mind on task was difficult there.
1: Did you watch your pace drop when you uh, started pulling up hills?
0: Well, I was trying not to like pay too much attention to my watch. For one thing, it's dangerous when you're running downhill to be staring at your watch a bunch. So I really only looked at it when it buzzed each mile split to me. Um, and I really tried to just take my mind off pace because I was focusing more on effort and form. And then we hit the halfway point where the half marathon started and the course then starts sloping downhill again, which made holding the pace easier. Although at the halfway point, I was already feeling just like really, really warm, just like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is really, really hot. And I, at that point, I was holding a pace of about 7.23. So my halftime was one thirty six forty five.
1: That's a blazing fast half. That would be like your half marathon PR.
0: Oh, easily. Yeah. Because I don't really race half marathons.
1: That's way faster than any half marathon I've run. I don't even think I could fall off a mountain that fast.
0: (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure you could.
1: And you're probably near the front. You finished like 19th overall. So the bulk of people are probably behind you. So did you pretty much feel like you had plenty of room around you, kind of the road to yourself?
0: Yeah, the marathon was really spread out pretty quickly. So usually I could see maybe one or two people in front of me because you could just see forever down this road as we we're running down it. You know, and occasionally I would like come up upon a person and, or we would leapfrog for a little bit. But pretty much the entire race I ran alone, though.
1: You know, what's cool is you're running down toward the finish line, which is near the Waikoloa Hilton right on the coast. So you're running toward the ocean. The views are amazing. It was a clear day, gorgeous day, sweeping views. And a lot of the big island is just covered in lava fields. So you're looking across lava fields, but just excellent course.
0: Yeah, it was extremely gorgeous. So you mentioned at mile 13 that you felt like the half marathon course was just a really nice downhill. It kind of pulled you forward. So from miles 14 to 20 of the marathon course, it lost about 1,600 feet of elevation, which is about a negative 4.5% grade. So that's what you guys were running um, during that section. And it definitely felt a lot more manageable.
1: There was some uphills, though.
0: But there was some uphills, that's for sure. And you mentioned, you know, we were able to just, like, run towards the ocean. It was extremely gorgeous and a clear day. But by mile 16, I was just feeling really, really hot. The sun was shining It was feeling like the aid stations were too far apart. (laughs) I would be really, really thirsty by the time I arrived at one. And I was really thankful that I decided to go with the more minimal clothing option. But it was kind of funny because you could really tell who the local Hawaiians were. I was seeing people wearing long sleeve shirts – A couple people wearing tights. I know. One guy had a buff headband on. I was just like...
1: Because it was like 79, 80 degrees by this time.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm feeling miserable in my shorts and sports bra. There's nothing like a little suffering to make you feel thankful for the little things, like an occasional breeze that you could feel. Yeah. It was like, oh, breeze. That feels so amazing. This is wonderful. The aid stations were located about every two miles apart, starting at mile three, And they had water and sports drink and porta pots you know, the things that you would expect at aid stations. But as I got hotter, it just felt like I couldn't get enough fluid in me. Often I was grabbing two glasses of water and pouring part of one on myself.
1: So obviously you didn't walk at all, not even at the aid station. You just ran by and grabbed water.
0: Well, I did have to walk one time because they didn't have any water ready. And I had to like basically go get it myself. Um, But yeah, I mean, other than that, I just ran the whole time.
1: I also remember grabbing two cups, one to drink out of, and the other one to pour on my head. So hopefully there was enough water for everybody with me doing that. I know.
0: <laughs> I hope so, too. Because it was really hot. It was it was hot for us, for sure. Um, for fueling, I used uh, you can snack bar pre-race. I mixed it in my oatmeal, like I've done a couple times now, and then had part of a bar at five-mile intervals. So I felt like my fueling was on point my energy was solid my stomach felt good so that whole part of the equation was taken care of
1: so you've probably run almost 50 marathons now 50 marathons using generation you can either the drink mix or the snack bar every boston qualifier and every pr you've been fueling with this stuff
0: and it's also amazing to hear from other listeners too who have tried you can and have really had some great results with it as well. Like we heard from Will a couple months ago, he says he's been listening to MTA since last winter. He said, I want to send a quick note of thanks for all that you do for the running community, but especially for turning me on to Generation UCAN bars. I'm a lifelong athlete with about eight years of experience as an obstacle racer and trail runner, but I'm very new to the world of road marathons. At my first one, I finished in 357, but had an absolutely terrible post-race experience because of GI issues both during and after the race. He says, I won't go into any more detail, but I'll tell you that my day ended in the medical tent. Wow. With that in mind, I changed my nutrition and supplementation strategy going into the Richmond Marathon, relying almost entirely on water, salt tablets, and Generation UCAN bars. The end result, I had zero stomach issues and set a new marathon PR of 341. UCAN bars are amazing.
1: Yeah, GI issues is the reason why we switched because UCAN is really gentle on the stomach. That's why we love it. And of course, you guys can get a discount. You can save 15% when you use the code mta hawaii since this is the hawaii marathon recap just go to generationyoucan.com use the code mta hawaii if you are a new customer and you use our link in our code you can save 25 percent so generationyoucan.com with the code mta hawaii
0: so for the final 10K of the course, it had about a negative 2.4% grade. And so there were even a couple of small hills. I don't know if you noticed them, Trevor.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. On those hills, I started to see some people walk.
0: Yeah. It was after the 20-mile mark that I started to pass a few half marathoners. And I was able to see Ed, who is a listener from Honolulu, out on the course. So that was really fun. Of course, I was running by. So it was just kind of like a... Quick high Aloha.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he has finished his 50 states from Hawaii.
0: Yes. A few years ago, he finished his 50 states. And I think he's doing a second round of 50 state half marathons now. Wow. So he really gets around for sure. After the 20-mile mark, I really had to work hard at staying positive and staying focused because I just continued to get warmer and warmer. (laughs) And when I get hot, it seems like my mood tends to sour quickly. So I was really trying to keep my mindset positive positive. And I would occasionally think, I'm running my 50th state marathon. How amazing is that? But there was also part of me that just wanted to be done. It was like this dichotomy. Like, this is amazing. You know, I'm so grateful and thankful to be out here. But I'm really hot. And I want this to be over with.
1: (laughs) So that was at mile 20.
0: That was somewhere after mile 20. And I even noticed that I wasn't sweating that much, which is really unusual for me. And I, you know, kind of continued drinking as much as I could and dumping water over my head and on my body, trying to just stay as cool as possible.
1: But all your sweat was evaporating.
0: I think so. It was just really dry. Um, at mile 25, we turned on to Queen Ka'ahumanu Highway, which is just a very long stretch of, of highway that goes to Kona and goes by the resort. This last mile plus was on exposed blacktop. It was surrounded by lava fields. It felt really flat and exposed and hot. Plus, there was a lot of traffic that was whizzing by.
1: Yeah, this section was definitely a grind. It was pretty miserable for everybody, I'm sure, because it's the last mile. You're ready to be done. You're hot. You're not running downhill anymore, and you're just on a highway, and there's, you know, tons of cars. But what can you do you know the course had to find its way back to Waikoloa so
0: Exactly. So were you able to find some extra energy to push hard to finish?
1: Probably not. I don't remember.
0: <laughs> you don't remember? It's only a week ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I ended up crossing the finish line, got my bib right here. I wrote my time on the bib. I ended up finishing in one fifty three thirteen. So it wasn't my fastest half marathon, but it was one of the faster half marathons I've done recently.
0: Right. Definitely.
1: I was very thankful to be done. Cross the finish line. I got to see a Met Pro coach. Natalie, who actually, for ways I was in front of her, she passed me you know, toward the end and finished ahead of me. Then I got to see Tamana, one of our Academy members, she had finished already, and her friend Suma. So we kind of had a little reunion there at the finish line. And then I made the very long walk back to our hotel. And once you get inside the hotel, the wing of the uh, hotel that we were staying, which was like a hotel within a hotel, was still another 10 minute walk. Right. I mean, it's so far that they have a monorail. And uh, I went back, got a shower, but I wanted to have the car with me because such a long, miserable walk in the heat. I wanted to help you avoid that and have a car there for you.
0: That was greatly appreciated. Yes, meanwhile, I'm feeling hotter and hotter. It's in the last couple of miles, and a couple of times I thought, I hope I don't pass out. And then I would think, well, I've never passed out during a marathon before, but that would be really awful, you know, especially as you're so close to the finish line. So I have all these like scenarios going through my head not being able to finish because I've passed out and so I'm like okay maybe I should you know rein in my pace a little bit and you know not push my body to the brink.
1: (laughs) What made you think of passing out? Were you getting dizzy or something?
0: I was just feeling really super hot and sometimes when you get to the end of a marathon you're not thinking very clearly anyway because it just takes so much physical and mental energy to run that far. And you can kind of have all these like worst case scenarios play out through your head. And so that was the one that was currently playing out in my head was me passing out close to the finish line, not finishing, our whole trip to Hawaii being for nothing. But then I got to the last mile and I realized that I needed to run a sub eight minute mile to finish sub 320. So I was like, okay, I think I can do this. I, you know, I think I have enough for a final push while avoiding this passing out scenario. <laughs> So during the last section, we turned back onto the Hilton Waikoloa property. It finishes at the Queens Marketplace area. When I saw mile 26 marker, I felt a lot of relief and was able to push across the finish line. And when I looked at the finish clock, it said 319.59. And so I was like, oh, phew, I was so happy to meet my goal of running sub 320. And then when I talked to you, I learned that my official time was 319.55. So I had an average pace of 737 per mile, and it ended up being a 9 minute and 23 second PR for me.
1: It was amazing. I mean, I'm just blown away that you ran that fast.
0: Yeah, I was super happy. I mean, once to the relief of finishing and not having to put out so much exertion had passed, I was just just felt so much relief and happiness. And it's really cool the Revel race prints off these awesome finishers card which lists your time your stats so i learned that i was the fourth place female out of 121 and finished first in my age group interestingly enough i look back at the stats online the first three ladies were over age 40 as well nice. so all the top four women finishers were all over the age of 40 which i thought was just super cool And so, of course, this finishing time gave me a Boston qualifying time over 20 minutes.
1: I'm pretty sure you're going to get in.
0: It would be a really tough year if I wasn't able to get in with that margin, I guess. And the medals are really nice. And they also gave a fresh lay to all race finishers. And so I thought that was a really special touch for Hawaii.
1: Now, here's the difference between Angie and I when we finish a race. On a hard day when I finish a race, the first thing I feel like doing is sitting down. And then I'll just sit in the shade for 10 minutes or so and just relax. When you finish a marathon, you always look really fresh for some reason. And you stand around and talk to people forever. And I offer you a chair and you never want to sit down. And it's almost like you could keep going.
0: (laughs) Well, I think part of it is I know if I sit down, then it'll be really hard to get up again. So as long as I keep moving, it keeps my energy up. So usually it's like once I sit down or lay down, it's like, oh, I, I want to stay there for like two hours.
1: <laughs> and at the finish line, Natalie from MetPro, your nutrition coach, and Tamana from the academy were there. They had run the half and they stayed you know, for another hour waiting for you to finish so they could greet you at the finish line. So there was a really nice moment that I was able to capture on video when you came out of the finish area and uh, crossed that barrier where we were standing and we were able to, you know, congratulate you for the first time and hugs were given Exchange out.
0: Exchange sweaty hugs. <laughs> yeah.
1: So here's a soundbite of that for you guys. Massive PR. Woo! How this, but my watch says 319.59. Oh, 58, yeah. That's, that's
0: what it, it says, 319, that? yeah. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. Like, 10-minute PR. Oh, my gosh. Oh, sorry, I was the idea the key.
1: And then the race had these huge letters, like life-size letters set up on the lawn, and they made great places for photos, so we got some photos after the race, which you can check out with the show notes to this episode over at marathontrainingacademy.com. I have all kinds of photos there for you guys. But when you finished, Angie, it was almost like you didn't believe that you'd run that fast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think at that point I was just so happy to have not passed out. (laughs) Sometimes it takes me a while for things to sink in. Like, I feel like, is this real? I don't know. I was really super happy to have finished sub 320 and have been able to run that strong. But you know, the funny thing is, like, you can be happy, but then also in the back of your mind, I thought if it had been 20 degrees cooler, I could have run five minutes faster.
1: (laughs) I think that might be true.
0: So it's like, okay, you can be like so happy and like celebrating, but then there's also that competitive part of yourself yeah. that can already be like, why didn't you do better kind of thing? So it's a really interesting, um, you know, thing that I think a lot of runners fight. It's like celebrating and being in the moment and, and trying to not get carried away with what could have been if this or if that, you know.
1: It's just a sign that you're a very competitive person. So you think you have uh, a sub 315 marathon in you still?
0: I certainly hope so.
1: <laughs> I believe you do too. You know, there are some of these revel races in cooler temps, Here in the continental U.S., where you can just go up in the mountains and run straight down. So, yeah, maybe sometime this year you should take another whack at a Revel race and try to go sub 315.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Maybe so. We mentioned that Revel Coolia was a pretty small race. The total number of half marathoners was 332, and then the total number of marathoners was 225. The male winner of the marathon was Paul Terranova. He finished in 2.49.10, and the female winner was Cammie Miller. She had a time of 3.08.37.
1: Yeah, it's a great race. I really hope they keep it going. Another cool thing that happened as we're standing there at the finish line, uh, a lady comes up and says, you must be Angie with the MTA podcast. And she introduced herself. Her name is Kathy. And she actually lives right across the street from where the finish line was.
0: Yeah, that's right. And she had done the half marathon. It was super exciting to be able to meet her and know that we have a local listener. That's right. We also like to say congratulations to Rachel. She ran the Revel Coolia Marathon and got a three-minute PR despite a calf issue and, of course, the blazing heat. And there was also another listener who didn't get to come to the meetup that we had later named Daniel. And he wrote us and said, I also PR'd there with a time of three hours, 31 minutes, and 37 seconds. And the MTA podcast was one of the things that kept me motivated. My previous PR was from 18 years ago in 2002. Good stuff. So fortunately, Trevor had the car, was able to get back to the room and get showered and lay down for a while because then we had an awesome MTA meetup later in the afternoon at the Kona Brewing Company.
1: That's right. Maybe you've seen Kona Beer. We decided to have the meetup at Kona Brewing and they just went above and beyond accommodating us. They don't usually take reservations But they had a table set up. We had 16 people there. So big thanks to all the folks that came out to the MTA meetup. And uh, just to celebrate with us, it was awesome. And it's funny because we had um, three nurses and four doctors at the meetup.
0: That's (laughs) right. Some people were there supporting runners, um, you know, some had run races themselves, so it was it was a lot of fun. And the Kona Brewing Company was generous enough to give us complimentary drinks, and the manager came over and personally welcomed us. And,
1: and congratulated you. Yeah, it
0: was really, really awesome.
1: Yeah. If you guys haven't tried their beer, uh, you can find it all over the U.S. It's great stuff, especially the Longboard Lager if you're into lagers. So yeah, big shout out to them for accommodating us and helping us celebrate angie's 50 state marathon goal here is a quick soundbite from our meetup there at the kona brewing co in kona hawaii all right take two take two this time i'm gonna make sure it's on okay here we go we are at the amazing kona brewing co in kona hawaii celebrating just an awesome day. We've got all kinds of runners here, people that did the half, people that did the full. We have Angie here who finished her 50-state marathon goal and ran her fastest marathon to date, finishing in three nineteen
0: 55.
1: 55. And um, I want to pass this mic around, just have everybody introduce themselves. Of course, if you don't want to talk, just pass it to the next person. So name where you live and why you came today either to run or support a runner and anything else you want to say we'll start here with jenny greenley who has been listening to the podcast since we started she remembers the first episode 10 years ago so name where are you are from and what brought you here today
0: well i'm still jenny greenley <laughs> live in eva beach hawaii on oahu um, i ran the half today and was very pleased with my result and i just want to say congratulations angie you are such an inspiration to all of us and i have enjoyed listening to you go through this journey. Over the last 10 years.
1: Hi, my name is Wayne. I'm from uh, Edson, Alberta, Canada. Uh, I did the full marathon today and my legs are still out around mile 24. I'm going to pick them up on the way home. Just want to say uh, congratulations as well to Angie, and the podcast has been a real inspiration to me and uh, I've learned a lot from them. Hi, I'm Sherry. I'm from Edson, Alberta, Canada as well. Um, I ran the half marathon today. It was only my second half marathon, but I PR'd in the heat. It was almost 100 degrees warmer than when we left Wednesday in northern Alberta. So I survived, and I'm happy. I'm Kathy. I am a local here. I live at Waikaloa. And I started running when they had Walkmans, so you can tell how old I am. And I just wanted to come and meet everybody. Congratulations to everybody and you, Angie. You are amazing. I'm Sean from Cleveland, Ohio. I don't run at all, and uh, I'm here to support my significant other and friends who've who've ran and meeting Angie and Trevor for the first time, just appreciating everything you guys do and how you inspire, especially uh, Tamana and everything she's done, so... I uh, appreciate everything you guys do.
0: Thanks, Sean. That was a wonderful intro to my introduction. <laughs> <laughs> take it from yeah. I'm Tamar. I'm also obviously from Cleveland, um, and I'm really excited to be here with a lot of new friends and old friends and to finally meet Angie and Trevor, who, I mean, it's very easy, I think, for all of us to say that you've been an inspiration to all of us, and you've taught us so much about running and just changing as a person and learning about yourself and understanding that, you know, we really create our own limitations and... Um, By changing our mindset, we can become better runners and better people. So I really appreciate that. And I ran the half today. I got a PR and was injury-free. Yay! So uh, super psyched about that. And again, congratulations to everybody for crossing that finish line. Hi, I'm Sapna. I'm also from Cleveland. And um, I started running a couple of years ago. And what I really love about running is it's just so liberating. I feel like I'm a different person when I run you know it's just I don't know I can't put it into words but I feel all the people who run sort of connect at a different level and I'm really thankful to Tamanna because she forced me to do my first marathon and now I'm like I'm not gonna stop but congrats Sanji it's wonderful too I mean I can't even believe how you did this but awesome so congrats everyone Hi, I'm Rachel Chopin, and I live in the Seattle metro area. And I can honestly say if it weren't for me somehow finding the MTA podcast, I probably would never have gotten the courage to even try to run a marathon. So I'm super grateful. And I did the Kulia uh, marathon because I have always wanted to do marathon in Hawaii, and I found out that Angie was running her 50th, 50 states, and I thought, great way to meet everybody and um, express my gratitude for um, doing everything that you do for us.
1: Uh, I'm Scott Landa from LaGrange, Georgia. Um, I've been running sort of seriously, I guess, for the last six years, thanks to the next speaker, Sue. And I've enjoyed it. I did do a half marathon today, pr and first in my age group. Um, it's fun being with new friends, old friends, friends. I love supporting her.
0: Well, yes, he's definitely my supporter. He dared me to run a half marathon in 2012. And be careful what you dare me to do because it could lead to a lot of other things. So this is my eighth marathon today. And I would be cued and I'm, I'm so excited about it. So I'm here tonight. And thank you so much for gathering all of us. No, I I did not mention I got first place in my age group. So this is why all of you here, and I know with the senior citizens, 70, keep it going. Yeah.
1: Come
0: on. Hi, I'm Suma Thomas. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, had a really good time running the half marathon today. And I've been running for a really long time, since I was like 12 or something. And I think I, I ran my first marathon in 86 just a really long time ago. So it's been a great day, and I'm so impressed by Angie and and also by Trevor. What a great set of people. I've never met them before. I've heard about them from Tamana. And, yeah. Anyway, shout out to all of you guys for what you do to help people across the country get better and feel better. Um, I'm Natalie. I've been on the podcast before. Um, I work at MetPro, and... I mean, I couldn't miss the opportunity to see Angie cross the finish line today. That's really what it was about. So, ran the half. I got sick, so my voice is running low. But um, I did not PR, but I beat Trevor. So, put that down. (laughs) It wasn't hard.
1: (laughs) Okay, now we want Angie to say something
0: um i what can i say after all that just thank you everyone for coming out for being so supportive all the positive energy i just think the mta community is amazing i mean we couldn't do it without you guys and it's been so wonderful to meet everyone in person i mean some people i've interacted with online for years some people that are new friends so congratulations to everyone and all the support team too you know i mean the runners can't do it without their support so good job as well
1: (laughs) And thank you, Kona Brewing. Everybody stop what you're doing and go buy some Kona beer. (laughs) Well, big thanks to all the runners that came out to celebrate with us. It was just a special day. I don't know if we can ever repeat that.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome. And we also realized that Hawaii is a great place for post-race recovery because we were able to enjoy several days of going to the beach. We enjoyed a luau while we were there. We went hiking in Volcano National Park. And of course, we ate lots of great food. So it was ideal.
1: <laughs> yes. And prior to moving to Pennsylvania, I tried to talk Angie into moving to Hawaii, but we don't have any family there. So we settled in Pennsylvania, which was a good call. But now we're kind of having second thoughts about that.
0: (laughs) Well, I really like the big island because you have the mountains. It has kind of more of that open feel, less jungly. Of course, then you have the beach and the ocean. So kind of the best of both worlds.
1: Everyone's so friendly, too, as a lot of you know who visited Hawaii. It's a magical place. So now we want to talk about how you can run a PR this year. Because we get a lot of questions from folks who want to set a personal record. But before we get into that, quick word of thanks to our sponsor, Athletic Greens. We are so excited to have these guys as a sponsor of the podcast this year.
0: That's right. I've been taking Athletic Greens every day for quite some time now. And it was one of the things that had a special place in my suitcase when we went to Hawaii. Took the travel packs, had them every morning, including race morning. So just love the fact that... It's convenient, it has great taste, and I can trust the ingredients that they're covering my nutritional bases. It's an ultimate daily all-in-one health drink with 75 proven vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients. So it makes it easier for you to get the best nutrition possible, especially since you're an athlete. And you often have different nutritional needs than the general population.
1: So Athletic Greens includes prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, superfoods, and more. It gives you complete and convenient nutrition in one shot to help support your body's needs across five critical areas like health, energy, immunity, gut health, hormonal, and neural support. And it actually tastes good. Surprise, surprise. I mean, we've had lots of green drinks that taste terrible. So whether you're taking steps toward a healthier lifestyle or you're an athlete pushing for a better performance, Athletic Greens will help take the guesswork out of everyday good health. Just go over to athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA, and you can get 20 free travel packs, which are valued at $79, along with your first purchase. So make a purchase. They'll throw in those travel packs, which is what we took with us to Hawaii. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA. All right. So Angie, what can you tell folks about running a PR this year?
0: Of course, we might want to explain that a PR stands for personal record And it's used interchangeably with PB or personal best. And clinching that personal record can often be more satisfying than reaching other running goals like winning an age group because most of us run to compete against ourselves. And so knowing that you're going above and beyond your previous personal best can be very satisfying. Most of us will never be Olympic athletes or maybe even win a marathon. Yet we know that somewhere deep down inside of us resides the best that we're capable of running. And it's really a fun challenge to try and pursue that. So I think the first thing to think about is if you're ready to PR. Setting a PR is going to require an appropriate goal. It's going to require focus and, of course, mental, physical, and psychological commitment. To build towards your PR goal, it's important that you don't rush the process. So this means that you need to build consistently over time. If you're running your first marathon, take the time to build up a solid running base and don't rush the experience or focus solely on your finishing time. I think that takes a lot of joy out of the process if you're a beginner and all you care about is your time. Likewise, if you're a beginning runner, this is not the best time to set ambitious time goals for yourself. Your goal should be to establish a solid running base first and then finish the race strong. Now, after you finish a few races, you're going to often think about, of course, getting faster. However, if your last marathon was more than a year ago and you haven't been running as regularly as you should have been since that time, it's not advisable to train for a PR. It's important to push the reset button if you've taken some time off and to lay some solid groundwork at first.
1: So it might be better to mount a comeback race.
0: Exactly.
1: And kind of see where your fitness is, see where your endurance is. Let that be, you know, a B race. And then your PR can be later in the year as an A race.
0: That's right. So a big question that people have when they're chasing a PR is what is a realistic time goal? On one hand, you don't want to be overly ambitious and set yourself up for failure when you're setting a time goal. But on the other hand, you want to make sure the goal is challenging enough. So let's say your last marathon time was five hours and eight minutes. An underwhelming PR goal would be to finish in 5.07. So just taking a minute off is probably not going to be aggressive enough.
1: That sounds like my kind of goal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On the other hand, an overwhelming goal might be to shave an hour off. So I'll give you some generally accepted time increments that can be shaved off a previous race for the average runner. Of course, there is going to be exceptions to this, but for the 5K, a good general amount of time to shave off can be about two and a half minutes from your previous 5K. For the 10K, you can try to shave off five minutes. For the half marathon, you can try to PR by 10 minutes. And for the marathon, you can go from anywhere to 10 to 15 minutes. Now, we do find that runners often see bigger jumps from their first race to their second, simply because they started in better shape with that second marathon training cycle. And they're stronger both mentally and physically. So we know people who have set greater than hour PRs, you know, from their first marathon to their second. It just all depends on how you trained for the first one, what kind of shape you were in. There's many, many factors that play into this. And it's also important to keep in mind, the faster you get and the closer you get to your best, the more challenging it will be to shave off large amounts of time. So as you get faster, as you get closer to what your potential is, you may only be able to shave a couple minutes off your marathon time, just depending on, like we talked about a number of factors, how your buildup went. Um, If you're dealing with any issues or injuries, what the weather is like, what the course is like, there's a lot of factors to keep in mind when you're looking into a PR. And that's one reason why it can be so helpful to work with a coach, because they're going to help you to set appropriate goals and also to get the best out of yourself. In general, there's kind of a three-phase plan for setting a PR. And this can take approximately four to six months, depending on your current fitness level. And this also assumes that you currently have a solid running base. So you're just not getting back into running. You've been running regularly for several months now. And the first phase is called the endurance phase. The endurance phase builds your running distance doing easy miles. This phase should never be ignored or you risk setting yourself up for injury. During this time, you'll be doing long, slow runs to enable you to go the distance, basically. Your pace should be conversational, which means you can carry on a conversation. This phase will include the long run, a midweek run, recovery runs, of course your cross-training, and your rest days. After the endurance phase, you move into the strength phase. The strength phase transitions from endurance to focusing on building strength. Strength running will include working on hill runs and tempo runs, Or running at approximately 85% of your maximum heart rate. And this strengthens your legs and your cardiovascular system. It's also gonna require you to stay focused and stay at an even effort. So the strength phase really builds on the endurance phase and sets you up for the speed phase. The final phase, as I mentioned, is the speed phase. This is gonna integrate the preparation you've done through the endurance and strength phases. So these workouts are best done on things like a 400-meter track, flat stretches of road, or on a treadmill. The speed workouts will help you focus on your race pace and enable you to run faster. These can include workouts like mile repeats, 800-meter repeats, 400-meter repeats, different kinds of intervals with the appropriate warm-up time and recovery in between intervals. And most of your marathon training plans are going to incorporate at least the strength and speed phase. A lot of them assume that you're going in with a good endurance base.
1: And they're probably going to be pace-based plans on lots of the runs, like the long runs and, of course, the speed runs.
0: Exactly. So if you're aiming for a PR this year, there are some basic principles to keep in mind in addition to building up your endurance, your strength, and your speed like we just talked about. The first thing is to learn to enjoy the work. If you make it all about the finish line and you don't take time to really invest in the day-to-day work, you're going to miss out on some of the valuable parts of training. The training is really what brings about the transformation.
1: That's pretty important for not burning oneself out because I know how competitive a lot of people can be. They can push themselves to the point where they're just not enjoying it anymore.
0: Right. And of course, you got to realize that progress is often not linear. It's not just like point A, point B, point C, check your goal. You know, sometimes just because we have human bodies and, and they don't always do exactly what our mind tells them to do, we have ups and downs, we have fluctuations in our training. And of course, you're not going to run every single run or workout faster than the last one. That would just be unsafe and unwise. So when you're training for a marathon or whatever your race is, you know, you shouldn't be out there every single day trying to PR your pace. Um, You're going to have easy days where you are deliberately slowing down. You should be integrating strength work to just really build up the strongest runner's body that you can.
1: Yeah. If you want to run a 319 marathon like Angie, you have to at least do 63 marathons first, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's hearts just sank.
0: (laughs) No, I feel kind of like a slow bloomer. Um, You know, it took me 25 marathons before I qualified for Boston And I feel like every single goal that I've worked toward has taken me a long time. Um, So I really had to be in it for the long haul. And part of being in it for the long haul was I really learned to enjoy the work. I really enjoy the training. And I enjoy challenging myself, whether it's with an easy run and keeping it easy, or whether it's with a strength training workout, or even a rest day. I mean, that can be challenging. (laughs) The second thing to keep in mind is that you want to stay injury-free. Make sure you're working on your weak areas. In fact, we did a whole podcast about this topic. And you want to make sure you're not ignoring signs of a problem. It's far wiser to ease up on your training if it leads to recovery rather than push through unwisely and then not be able to get to the starting line healthy and strong. The third thing to keep in mind is to be aware of the ways that you can hold yourself back mentally. We all have to fight a mental battle, whether we're new runners or whether we have dozens of marathons under our belts. There's going to be adversity that you'll face. Things like not feeling supported in your training, maybe not running well in hot weather. Maybe you feel like you're too old to pursue a PR. Maybe you struggle with nutrition or fueling. There are so many areas that we can struggle in. And each of these issues provides us with the opportunity to grow stronger and become more resilient. But often if we give up in our mind, then we don't even do the work. And finally, make sure you get help achieving your goals. If you find that you struggle with consistency or fueling or staying injury-free or knowing how to push yourself appropriately or any other issue that we've talked about, it can be helpful to enlist the support of other people. We all benefit from the wisdom and experience of others. If I look back at my running journey, I can think of specific times when I reached out for help. Um, I hired a running coach after I had my miscarriage so I could build back safely and be healthy and just find that consistency and support again. In another instance, I worked with a strength coach so that I could address certain weaknesses that I had and make sure that I was using good form and really making the most of my strength training time. And then, of course, in the last year or so, I've been working with a nutrition coach, which has totally revolutionized the way I've been eating, um, not only for fat loss, but also for better performance.
1: And, of course, that nutrition coach you're still working with, and she was there um, at the race, which is awesome, Um, Natalie from MetPro. If you want to learn about MetPro, by the way, just go to metpro.co forward slash MTA for a free phone call consultation. And when it comes to running coaches, people that can get you trained up to set a PR, to help you stay injury free, uh, to identify when you could be holding yourself back or maybe you're pushing yourself too hard and you're in danger of overtraining and they need to sort of help you rest more intentionally when you need to rest. We've got now 11 amazing coaches on the team. All of them are out there just kicking butt, leading by example in their own running journey and our highly qualified, certified running coaches. And it's just awesome to see the progress that our clients are making. You can learn more about our coaching program and what we do for runners when you visit marathontrainacademy.com and look for the coaching tab. So if you have any questions about setting a PR or maybe you're pursuing a 50-state goal or some other kind of epic goal like that. We'd love to hear about it and if we can help you in any way, that's what we're here for. We have a contact form on our website and by the way, you can also find us on Instagram. We're getting close to 10,000 followers over there at Marathon Academy and Facebook. We have a Facebook page at Marathon Academy. I think we have about 17,000 followers over there. So thanks Angie for taking us through your 50-state marathon goal and congrats on finishing this awesome goal and running it in such a great time. Does it feel like you can breathe aside relief now that it's all done or does it just sort of feel like yeah back to work
0: <laughs> um I, I don't think it's totally sunk in yet for sure that there aren't any more states that i have to get a marathon done in
1: how soon did you start running again after your race
0: um i took a week off because i was pretty sore
1: but we did some gnarly hikes
0: yeah we did some hiking and i did a tiny bit of swimming so We were active, but took a full week off um, to make sure I felt fully recovered.
1: And so you're feeling that way now?
0: Yeah, I feel great.
1: All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the MTA podcast. You guys are awesome. It's so great to be on this running journey with you. Be safe out there, and remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life.